Hello and welcome to the Modern Maker Podcast for Thursday, June 22nd, 2017, otherwise known as National Chocolate Eclair Day. Oh. Seems like a lot of these are food-based, huh? Yeah, yeah, it's a marketing scheme. I guess, yeah, it's <laughs> all big eclair. That, yeah, that eclair lobby. You ever try a frozen one? I only eat them frozen. That is the move, man. <laughs> that is it. I'm not they're a big like, eclair it. guy, but I, if you eat them frozen, they are yeah, delicious. I, I don't think they're part of the ketogenic diet. Yeah, I haven't had one in a minute. <laughs> I haven't had one in a few years, but yeah, they're good. Only when you're in France. Yeah, exactly. What are y'all working on this week? Why don't you kick it off? Me? Okay. Yeah. I've been uh, destroying a bathroom for the past uh, <laughs> few days and Too many trying to put it back together. No. <laughs> oh, geez. I realize now what you're saying. Oh, Lord. <laughs> not destroying it that way. Destroying it with tools, not my bowels. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So I'm working on this bathroom renovation. Currently, uh, as we're recording, I'm, I'm working on my whole... Uh, led framed mirror idea so it's coming along pretty cool um everything else you know it's just kind of just i've been painting installing cabinet doors that kind of stuff so it's coming along nicely i am getting prepped and ready for my july to be pumped full of videos i've got stuff already on the on the back burner ready to go i've decided i am going to uh do a weekly uh video release yeah (laughs) thank you for helping me with that no problem. Uh, us talking about it last week kind of convinced me um, that for some people, maybe having too much structure is like, oh, geez, it keeps you from maybe doing what you're wanting. But for me, structure, uh, for lack of better terms, obligates me into working more. Otherwise, mm-hmm. I w- you know what I mean? Yeah, it's um, like a psychological trick for yourself. It is. Yeah, I'll have, the, you know what I mean? It'll just be like, oh, man, instead of just hanging out with friends or something, it's like, oh, man, I got to get this done so I can have a video out this week. So right. um, for my personality, I think uh, a schedule is a good thing. So starting July, I'm going to have a video every week for at least a while until I get tired of doing that and burnt out. So <laughs> exactly. at least one it. week. For at yeah. least one week. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do weekly videos for at least yes. one week. <laughs> well, that's, that's the nice thing about self-imposed structure is that mm-hmm. the minute it becomes confining, you can just stop. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's all good. <laughs> yeah. I'm obligating myself until it becomes too much of an obligation. So that's, uh, that's my world. What are y'all doing? I just finished up some more benches uh, this time. <laughs> I get a lot of uh, comments about how heavy a lot of the stuff that I build is. So I decided to uh, not listen to that and just build heavier stuff. (laughs) So this time I made, I think, probably one of the heaviest pieces I've made that doesn't involve concrete. And it's just a really simple bench. And it's made from a slab that I resawed with help from my friend uh, Christian Dunbar. we resawed it on a, on a giant bandsaw over at the build space. And it was actually the first time I'd ever tried to resaw something that big. Um, and it worked, worked really well. Uh, and then I used a massive joiner to clean up one side and a planer to, to finish off the other. And I was like, oh, wow, like I'm doing like woodwork. That is real work, woodworking. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I decided to quit while I was ahead. Yeah. <laughs> um, and this leave the slab just kind of like pristine. It's just this big rectangular slab. And for legs, I got some some more chunks of I-beams 
and just made really simple legs out of just two I-beams. So it's just two chunks of I-beams and then a giant uh, 14-inch wide, about three-inch thick slab of heart pine on the top of it. And it's one of those things where it looks so simple, but it looks pretty good too. It does, yeah. I know, looking at it, because I just saw it on your Instagram, is I think it would even be cool to do the beam going lengthwise as well with that solid top on it too. Yeah. I think there's a lot of options with that kind of combination. I never thought of using I-beams as legs for anything. It's cool. They were actually, using them that way too, was pretty affordable. And those mm-hmm. those ones only weigh about 25 pounds for each one. So I think I got them for about just a, a few dollars more than what it would have cost for hairpin legs. Oh, wow. Um, but yeah. they're much less common. Um, since I didn't need the flange to be wide, like when I made the whole table out of the I-beam, I needed the flange to be really wide. And so that made up most of the weight. These ones, I just need them to support it. So uh, they didn't have to be that wide and consequently uh, not that heavy. So really happy with that. And But I also felt like mm, this it's sort of DIY, but it involves kind of unusual or larger scale materials. Yeah. So I went and I just knocked out uh, sort of an alternative to it with a 2x12. So it's sort of like, I don't know if I'll put them in the same video, but at least I'll, I'll, I'll link to them or, or put them out relatively soon. So it's sort of saying, hey, here's a really cool thing if you happen to find like a like a slab and you want to. I also like the thing with the slab because have you ever had like a big slab and you just it just sits there because you don't want to use it because you, you want to wait for like a really good idea? It's so precious. You never use it. Yeah, right. And so what I like about this is that it's simple enough that you can use it. But if you ever change your mind, it's simple enough that you could reuse it for something else. <laughs> right. Yeah. So it's like a finished piece that's kind yeah. of still preserves the like I could take all three pieces to two iron pieces and the wood piece and easily use them for all completely different projects and none of them would be really compromised for that so that's kind of it makes it easier to move forward with that using like a rare or big piece of material yeah Yeah, for sure Chris, what do you got so I uh put up the simpler wall organizer video on I think Friday last Friday um Mm -hmm. so yeah it's a it's been going good it was funny so I posted it on reddit and it following our conversation from last week and it actually got to the top of the the diy subreddit yeah um so i noticed a couple funny things so one was that i got a lot of or not a lot but a few comments from people who were kind of like taking offense and accusing me of stealing the french cleat and claiming it as my own and like you invented it like (laughs) yeah exactly i'm like well first off at one part in the video because the only part that's actually a french cleat on that thing is the back the front is just I don't know, like slats with pegs that are friction fit into them. And so I said, if by your estimation, then I would also have to think that I invented the term French cleat because I refer to a French cleat in the video when I'm talking about how I hang it on the wall. So roasted. Yeah. Boom. (laughs) Paradox. No, No, for real. It was cool though. You're taking, you're really taking to the uh, plywood stacking idea. Oh baby. I think it's a cool look. No, I liked it. Stacking that wood. I also um, liked that it. it looked like something I could do. Yeah, it's, it's not bad, man. And then, oh, so another funny one was people, so this is in the DIY subreddit, people saying, or you could just go buy a slat wall, to which I kind of said, oh, well. how original. Yeah. yeah. Couldn't, uh, couldn't you basically say that about everything that goes in a DIY subreddit? I mean, isn't that the whole point is that here's another way or here's a way to do it yourself? They thought it was the BIY, buy it yourself. I guess so bunch of suckers but uh yeah. so you then showed them I, oh i showed them good i got some <laughs> upvotes on those replies um so 
I made one minute videos. Remember we were talking about that a couple yep. videos for this. And so mm -hmm. I posted it to Instagram and posted it to Facebook and on Instagram it does well. Like, you know, I noticed like a little uptick in, in people following me on Instagram, but on Facebook, man, I get no traction. Like, so I thought this could be a good way to jump back into our conversation from last week about building an audience. Yeah. Um, I don't know well, where did, Oh, go ahead. It just means you suck at Facebook. I guess, man. Just the Facebook crew does not a. Uh, you know what it is? I think it's that stuff like that is clickable, not shareable. Kind of. I think you had mentioned that last week, Ben. That there's yeah. a there, there's you can distinguish between the two. I think it's because shareable things are probably more like here's a new way to approach something, or here's a new way to utilize something, and clickable is more just like that looks cool. And I yeah, think I, I, I fit into the that looks cool more than the other thing. Yeah, I think to, to simplify it, and I think it actually is pretty complex, but to, to sort of simplify it down, I think the shareable things elicit almost an emotional reaction, like a, like laughter or mm -hmm. just like, what? How did you do that? There's like right. an aha or kind of like mind blown or humorous or just so silly or infuriating. It's like that kind of emotional response, I think, is the share thing. Mm -hmm. Whereas often the, the the things that get shared a lot aren't necessarily desirable. They're more just, wow. Um, or they sort of speak to a very unique pain point, right? Like uh, they speak to sort of an annoyance that a lot of us have dealt with and the person solves it in a video and everyone's like, oh my God, that's brilliant. Um, so yeah, I think that's that's that. What I... What I do think is interesting to track on Instagram is sort of like engagement um, and sort of looking at view numbers versus typical like numbers. And I find right. that my when I do a video on Instagram, it typically gets about 10 times the number of views that I would get likes on a still image post. Right. Um, and then comments are often, uh, uh, I think, a little bit more on uh, uh, videos as well. So and then the other thing with Facebook is it's a crapshoot. <laughs> and uh, sometimes I launch things and they do really well. Sometimes I launch it and nothing happens. And then a month later, it takes off. And that's that's true with launching any sort of internet media. But I think just in general, as a good practice, you know, circulating all those things. And once you do the one minute short edit for Instagram, it's no additional work to post it to exactly to, to, to Facebook. The one thing I do find though is Facebook can be a little bit trickier to get the thumbnail game just right. <laughs> uh, to like post it and then go back it's it's like at the moment of posting you can't always select the thumbnail um, oh. and so you have to go back and sort of go into like a video album setting and reselect the thumbnail and it can be a little bit tricky if it doesn't accidentally land on an image that you want um, but going back to our discussion of audience building i thought i would recap some of the things we talked about before we uh, do that i'm sure. sorry yeah. i just want to make a really quick announcement this weekend, um, I'm going to be at the woodworking event in Skyatook, Oklahoma. Um, I realized I was supposed to talk about it last week, and I totally blanked and forgot to. So before we get into everything, I just want to say, hey, if anyone's in the area and wants to come out, it is Saturday and Sunday, right by Tulsa, Oklahoma. So if you're in the area, go to videowoodworkers.com, check it out. It's a cheap entry, and there's going to be a lot of people that make videos. Sorry for interrupting. Keep going. No. No, got to get the plugs in, man. Got to get yeah, the plugs in. <laughs> if you're in Oklahoma, heck, if you're in the, anywhere in that yeah, if area. If you're in Kansas, Missouri, if you're in the Texas. Bible Belt, come on down, baby. <laughs> go, go see Mark. 
Come on. Yeah, it's going to be fun, though. There's going to be a lot of cool people, a lot of cool stuff. So, yeah. Oh, and, and while we're doing sort of plugs and shout out, I wanted to, uh, when I was doing this last project, uh, The Bench, um, I actually referred to a uh, video that Mark Spagnolio, the, the Wood Whisperer, had put out on sort of uh, finishes. Uh-huh. And actually use that to sort of drive this sort of decision making for finishing off the wood top so shout out to mark the real mark uh, the wood whisperer who is a weekend show alumni and yeah yeah, uh, i hadn't seen that many of his videos i was always sort of aware of them but they are ridiculously informative oh yeah Yeah, it's very Mm -hmm. educational he's like a teacher yeah 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 um so back to audience building um, so last episode, we talked sort of about clustering the idea of identifying kind of niche subject matter and then doing a few videos around that so that you have a cluster that attracts those sort of search terms. Um, we talked about the difference between sort of searching for something versus share, sort of doing things that are evergreen, like a, like a sofa, uh, which will just, you know, there's always people searching for DIY sofas or how to do this thing uh, versus uh, very shareable things, which are more sort of spectacular, visually unusual. Trendy. Uh, yeah. The ones that I've had that have a lot of shares are like the Lego and concrete or like the spiral staircase, stuff like that. Um, we talked about the importance of thumbnails and also a little bit about how important it is just to uh, not follow other people's success models, but look at what makes you the most prolific. Because if you find sort of that, it may be you're really good and really glib and you can just Anytime the camera's on, you have something clever and funny to say. So that's a competitive advantage. That lets you be prolific on camera. Uh, if you're not like that, then don't try to do something that really slows you down necessarily because <laughs> it's going to slow out your, your video production. Um, but in the end, if you can produce more good stuff, it's generally a, a, a good thing. So some of the other things that, uh, that, uh, that I want to talk about uh, were in particular with the things that Chris was just experimenting, which is sort of syndicating to other channels. And again, I want to preface all of this by saying that uh, if I say something has worked for me, that doesn't mean it'll work for you. And it doesn't even mean that uh, I won't change my mind and try to do it something else. This is all still pretty experimental. Uh, the platforms that we're publishing on are always shifting. So take all these things as interesting experiments that you should try and consider, but not as prescriptions that will get you hundreds of thousands or millions of followers. Um, but the one that, uh, that I want to talk about that I think is, you know, one of the things that is sort of that I have a, a different stance than most of the people in our, in our sort of space is on sort of syndication and letting other media companies use my video content. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for most YouTubers, they're very, rightly very protective of their media content and i'm not telling anyone that they should give away their content that's that's up to you but i have (laughs) and i think it's done really well for me um but also the way i monetize my sort of media stuff is a little bit different i don't do patreon i don't ask for i don't solicit funds from the audience so my clients are really the brands that i work with um and you know, so if, if I was to actually list my profession, it would be some sort of media publishing or digital marketing, not necessarily maker because I'm not getting paid to make. I'm getting paid for the sort of digital side of things. So if that's the sort of job and why people are paying me, uh, I take 
sort of a, a pride and craftsmanship of, of doing that well. Also, uh, I want to create wins for the people I'm working with. And one of the things that I found is that, especially the bigger the company you work with, you're not working with the head of marketing. You're working with you know, a social media manager or sort of a, a mid-tier sort of marketing person. And those people have really tough jobs because they often actually know a lot more about contemporary digital media and social media than their bosses, but they don't always have the freedom to do exactly with what they think is best. <laughs> yeah. So I realized that. So I never really complain about, hey, you should be doing this. This makes so much more sense. Why don't you just use all influencers? We're way cheaper than traditional media. What I do is try to understand what challenges they face in their jobs and what their sort of bosses expect of them, and then not only deliver that, but then give them a few extra wins on top of it. And that's one of the reasons why I like to sort of syndicate the content, because I know I'll fulfill their expectations based on my audience and my channels. But if So here's an example. I've worked with Ryobi for three years now, and I, I consider a lot of the people that work there friends. Uh, if I was ever get married, there would be some of them there at my wedding. Uh, and they've been awesome to work with. I like them. Uh, and I also know that they have to sort of report to their bosses and they have to make their justify their decisions. So recently they came out with like a hot glue gun, which is legitimately the best hot glue gun I've ever used. I got one in the mail. It's coming. Exactly. <laughs> um, so I was really happy with it. And, you know, I did a few projects with them, you know, per our sort of contractual agreement. Um, but then I saw an opportunity with like, I think it was like a, a big Facebook group called like five minute crafts. And I had done this like ping pong ball app, really simple project using just a hot glue gun. Um, and they asked me for the content. I said, sure, just leave in the mention of the Ryobi hot glue gun. I did this content for them. It's only fair. So they did. And I think it's done like seven to eight million views. So I send that over and I didn't have to do that. But I know it's like it's going to. It's going to make their week a little bit better. And they took a risk on me and they picked me out of a lot of influencers. And they have a lot of options. Um, So I know just sort of, you know, going above and beyond and getting wins for other people. So at the end of their their weekly meeting, they can show show their boss, hey, by the way, this happened, (laughs) you know. And we picked it and we have this good relationship with this influencer and they get credit for it. The other nice thing about that is it gives you sort of numbers that are disproportionate to your own following. Uh, I don't have any YouTube videos with seven or eight million views. I think the highest is like five million. Um, so it lets me sort of punch above my weight a little bit and, and create not just a win for them, but also for the media company. Um, so now if I ever do another Kickstarter campaign, guess who I'm going? If it's related to crafts, I'm going to go to that editor and saying, hey, Remember, I've given you a few content. Here's something that I'm trying to do, and I think here's an angle. Is there a way that you think that we can produce some content around that that would interest your audience? Um, so in, in my first sort of business, which was architecture, I came into this dilemma of we were doing sustainable design. So we're coming up, we were spending a lot of time researching these really great building details that would save people energy, carbon emissions, and money. But we didn't want to share those ideas with other architects, even though it would lead to them making better buildings, which is good for everybody because we spent all this time and I hated being in that position where I felt like my ideas were scarce and that I had to protect them when I thought that they were good. I just want everyone to see it and decide whether or not they want to do it. Mm -hmm. So ever since then I decided 
that I'm going to take the business model of abundance, not scarcity, not because it's always the best thing, but because it's the way I can be aggressive with business, but still be happy about being aggressive with business. I can be like, you know, full on Gary Vaynerchuk, like, rah, 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 you know, going after stuff, but not feel like a total asshole. Um, so it's like kind of like a, it's like a conceptual framework that uh, hopefully sort of keeps me in a positive direction so I can sort of be a little bit more ruthless, but still know that it's mostly going to be good stuff. You know, uh, some of what you were saying there reminded me of something that I've always held to be very true and something that I've tried to practice a lot. And so you were kind of talking about, you know, when you're working with companies, giving them, I guess, more than what they're paying for, you know, just giving them that, that extra little win, like you were saying. And so something that I've always thought about, and this can tie into building an audience, but I think it, it goes beyond that. So even if you're not interested in building an audience, but just like, you know, bettering yourself in life or, or getting a job that you're shooting for or something. And that's being willing to work for free in the beginning. So a couple examples, you know, well, anybody who starts a YouTube channel in the beginning, you're working for free. You know, you're putting a lot of time into doing things that you're not going to get any return for a little while. But for example, I used to be a graphic designer um, before I got the, well, actually that's how I got to where the job that I have now. But in order to become a graphic designer, I had to do a lot of graphic design work for free. So I was at a job and basically anytime there was an opportunity to do some sort of graphic design work, I would jump out and say, oh, let me do it. Let me do it. I would do it. It wasn't in my job description, but it helped me to build a portfolio. It helped me to be a person that people thought of when they had that need. And, you know, within a couple I don't, maybe not even two years, probably a year and a half, it led into getting that graphic design position that I wanted. So I think that that's... Yeah, that's a controversial subject. And, you know, I, I think one of the most heated posts I've seen in graphic design message boards and architecture boards or woodworking is that sort of, or photography ones, it's huge too. Uh-huh. So often the discussion is very simplistic. You should never do that or you should do it because that's how I got to where I'm at. I think that the the more nuanced uh, sort of caveat to both situations is there's good times to say no and there's good times to say yes. Uh, yes. I think that for me that the key is am I doing work for other people for free or am I doing work for me for free, right? So when I started my YouTube channel, I wasn't it was clearly for me because no one else was watching, <laughs> right? right? And that's good and important because I'm driving the agenda. So I may make bad decisions that later I think are, oh, I should have just done it this way. This is so much more efficient. But at least I'm doing it on my own course and direction. Mm-hmm. I think the case where it gets damaging is where you're doing what somebody else thinks is a good idea that you think is kind of just an okay idea, but you're kind of hoping that you'll get something out of it. So I would say the times where I've done work for free that have worked well is the work that I've sort of believed in. Because even when it doesn't have the specific outcome that I want, at least I was testing my own intuition, which is valuable from an experience standpoint. I think what isn't good is doing, or which hasn't been effective for me, is doing work that other people are dictating and saying that's really serving them. And they're kind of saying, oh, we'll kind of give you a shout out or something like that. Those cases have been less successful for me. Yeah, I've kind of had it go both ways where... I mean, obviously, yeah. So the YouTube version, you're fully doing that work with what you want to do, basically. But like I've so on YouTube, I've worked with um, like those guys that do the gaming channel. 
I did the the Xbox video, which was it started off as something that was totally for them, and it was just kind of like, okay, yeah, but I I want to be a part of it because I know it can help it can help expose me to a lot of people, and I found a way to. I guess it's it's just a matter of being willing to, if you have an idea that you think is better, speak up about it. And so I did that, and they were totally receptive to it, and it was a awesome uh, working relationship because it did expose me to a lot of people and, and triggered a lot of growth on my channel. That was, I mean, if there was like any one time I haven't had like that viral video, but if there was any one time where like I got a big boost, it was definitely that Xbox stand thing that I made. Um, the whole debate about working for free though, I know you do see it a lot in graphic design and I think that it's work for free up into a point, but it's hard to say because within graphic design, okay, here's a good example. So I got a comment on my last video where it was sponsored by Squarespace and I got a negative comment about Squarespace and the person said in their thing that they were a web developer it's like, well, mm. yeah, of course, if you're a web developer, you're going to hate Squarespace <laughs> because yeah. it's taking away a lot of your business. It's making a lot of what you could make a lot of money on five years ago where you can't make money on it anymore. You know, you're going to have to get into more complex things now really to make the money. So in the graphic design world, you see a lot of undervaluing of the. Well, Mike, you had this problem with, right? <laughs> when <laughs> yeah, you asked I wasn't for even going to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, edit this out. No, no, no. It's fine. I'll talk about it. Yeah. Do you want me to kind of give the quick story? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Okay. Go for it. Um, so, ooh, this actually works out really great because today, man, I wish I had some with me. Today, I picked up the new modern build builds. I said modern build. The new <laughs> modern builds merchandise. I got that new swag. I got a, I got a hat design. I got a couple t-shirts. I got all kinds of stuff. Nice. Um, but to do that, um, so everything I've done in terms of graphic design for myself, I've done by myself and I really have not a lot of experience in doing that. I'm very subpar and all of that kind of stuff. Now I could have take, taken the time and said, Hey, I'm going to make a few designs and they're going to be okay. Or I can see if anyone in my audience who happen to ha who happens to have any experience in graphic design, whether they just do it as a hobby, whether they do it professionally, whatever. Um, if there, I made a video saying, if you're interested in designing something for the new modern builds merchandise, um, yeah, I said, send it to me and then I'll, you know, basically pay you for it if I like it. Now I got in huge trouble for this. In fact, I got put on the front page of the graphic design Reddit board because right. I was asking for, uh, what's that, what's it called? Uh, spec work or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, with, with no intention of trying to get people to work for free. I wasn't even soliciting for professional artwork. I was just saying, if any of you guys are fans and think it would be cool for one of your designs to be printed as, you know, a modern builds shirt or hat or any kind of cool idea, you know, even if someone had a cool idea for like a beer koozie that I think would be awesome, I would have never thought of a beer koozie. I didn't make a beer koozie because no one had that idea. But it was just that thing. I was opening, <laughs> I was just opening the door for anyone that had ideas. That's all it was. If no one had a good idea, then I would have just either done it myself or hired someone. Yeah, I understand that. But there were some really awesome designs, some really cool people uh, with a lot better design experience than I had sent me some killer designs that I wish I could have printed all of them. But to those people, I said, hey, I really appreciate the time. I'm sorry that I can't, you know, print everything. And I appreciate the work you did. Um, 
But for the person that I ended up working with, I now have like a graphic designer. I have a guy that I can go to now that I never right. would have met. The guy's in Indonesia. How would I have like gotten in contact with this guy, right? Right. Um, so through this whole weird thing that I'm doing a bad job of explaining, I was connected uh. to someone I never would have been able to be connected well, to who has a really great talent that, you know... Is he's also not professional. He's doing like what it's, you were talking about, Chris, when you were talking yeah. about just a couple of minutes ago, just like he was wanting to build a portfolio. He's just right. getting into the game. That's what he's mm-hmm. doing as well. So hopefully in the next couple of weeks, whenever I do my like little push for, you know, I'll make a little video saying I have new merch. This is what it looks like. Obviously, I'm going to give him a huge shout out. Obviously, I'm going right. to also shout out some of the other people that made really cool designs to hopefully you know make up for the fact that yes i didn't you know buy designs from them so yeah it's a weird it's a weird world and i got a lot of heat for it is i guess the whole gist of it um (laughs) i got a lot of heat for it and i learned my lesson i mean people doing it it's going to be something that it it always will be because it's kind of a like a mexican standoff situation that's Mm -hmm. where you know three people are all pointing a gun at each other whatever and it's as soon as one person fires everybody fires yeah so it's the type of thing that can only work if everybody agrees not to do it exactly there's always going to be someone who's going to do it so then now you have to do it and you get to a point where you don't have to do it Mm -hmm. but when you're you're in the beginning you kind of do you have to you have to hustle and, and do things for free to, to try to get noticed. Exactly, and that's what I thought it would it was. It would be a cool opportunity for someone that could make cool designs to maybe maybe someone else that watches me wants a cool design. Maybe they can go to him now. And also, I wasn't going to go... The big argument that people were saying is, if you want graphic design, go out and find a graphic designer and blah, 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 blah. I totally understand that. But I wasn't even going to go to a graphic. I was just going to do it myself. And then I opened it up to anyone that was interested. Um, So it's not like I was taking business away from anyone by, quote unquote, offering spec work. I was just trying to see if anyone had some neat ideas. And it just, it kind of backfired on me and it it caught me so off guard. I, I actually think that what people are objecting to is what in your, in this case was a little bit of honest naivete. Yeah. Yeah. And when I see these sort of posts, uh, I see them in architecture, photography, graphic design, all these kind of things. What I think is often most offensive to people is the obliviousness of the person posting that what they do is valuable, time-consuming, and takes real skill. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And it's not so much they're objecting to the specific transaction. They're objecting to the the obliviousness and just thinking that, like I saw a post recently of someone saying, hey, I'm looking for a wedding photographer and I'll guarantee you that I get you like a thousand likes on Facebook. And they're saying like, that has very little value. Right. Yeah. What I do has more value. So they weren't objecting that somebody was saying, hey, do any of my friends want to do the, do the photography because I don't have any money and we, you know, we're trying to buy a house? People wouldn't object to that. I think what they're objecting to is the asking for something that they know has value. Uh, in a way that they think that the person asking doesn't respect that value. And I think that's where the offensiveness comes. But if you like, so I think like it's not, I don't think you should do, take, have the takeaway be you should never ask the audience to help you design something. I think that's the actually, the reverse is true. You, people like, I mean, I think the two by four challenge, the two two by four challenge shows that is that people want to participate and design things and be back and forth and, and inspire each other. Mm-hmm. But 
I think the the where the phrasing and the sensitivity is acknowledging the value of what they're bringing to the table uh, and saying that and uh, uh, sort of leading with that, I think would have saved you some of that grief, even if you ended up asking for the exact same thing. No, you're right. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's that's good. That's 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 how we all it's life lessons. learn in this stuff. Life yeah. lessons. Yeah. Um, right. And I wish I was getting these lessons when I was your age. Like that's <laughs> phenomenal. Like you're putting yourself in like a great position to have these experiences with people that are turning out good. Yeah. Um, so I think that's just a thing is, is whenever you ask something of somebody really understand what you're asking for is research that ask before you pull the trigger on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, an example, uh, that I think segues into the, the next thing I want to talk about, which is sort of why you want to build an audience, which I think is a good question before you look at how you build an audience is, I talk to a lot of the people that uh, do the marketing for a lot of the brands that I work with. And every single day they get approached with asks. People saying, hey, I'll give you a shout out. Give me free stuff. Pay me this. Pay me this. And not just like image uh, influencers like us, but like legit like sort of mainstream celebrities. So I was talking to some marketing people and they had like a bunch of professional athletes saying, oh, I just bought a house and I'm remodeling it. Will you provide all the things and I'll mention it on Instagram? Like they're getting this every day from people with not just a million followers, but with people with multiple millions of followers. Right. So they're trying to filter out all these things. And what they find their version of what they get sort of annoyed at is they like it when influencers reach out to them. What they get annoyed by is when influencers reach out that are super entitled Mm -hmm. And right. they'll tell me like you know stories about how something like, I have this many followers and I would like this much money <laughs> per video. Yeah, and they're like, well, you know what? Yeah, but we have like fifty people that have sent us that email today. Uh, you know, like there are thousands of people with a lot. You know, uh, I was looking at there's like a hundred and forty thousand people with over a hundred thousand Instagram followers. Oh wow, that's a lot. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I know for like, you know, for YouTube, I don't think I'm in the, I think I'm in the top 10,000, but I'm not in the top Mm 5,000, right? There's like more than 5,000 more people with more followers than me. And again, I think that's where it comes back to making wins for other people. There's always somebody with a bigger audience. And that person is probably asking for things from the same brands as you are. So the question isn't who has the most followers and who this is, who's easy to work with and who helps that person not just that company, but helps that person within that company elevate, right? I love it when I see people that I started working with a few years ago sort of moving up the ranks in the companies that I work with. I feel like I'm, I have like a, like a teamwork kind of thing. It's like we're on like a fast break and it's just touch passes <laughs> back and forth and we're both elevating uh, because of it. And I think that's like, I think that's also a hard thing for influencers and people in our situation to have as a mindset because we work alone a lot Mm -hmm. and we tend to think of ourselves in our own little kingdom. We pulled ourselves up by our bootstraps. We built this little fortress of followers that now gives us really nice options in life. And I think we can get a little bit too full of ourselves sometimes and we see big numbers or big relative to what we do. And we kind of forget that any brand can just take any video and spend a little bit of money on Facebook and get just as many views. Right now, they probably won't be as good, but their bosses may not know the difference. So that's what we're really up against. Right. So I want all all the weapons on my side. 
So when I go to to uh, and I want to keep the brands that I work with because I hate doing sales. I hate like trying to start new relationships. So I just want to have really good ones with other ones. So I want to build my audience so I can keep funneling uh, more traffic to them. But I also want to try to create these wins outside of it. So that's leading to sort of why you should want to build an audience, which I often think people just decide that they want an audience before they have an idea of what they want to have that audience for. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think in your sort of interview, Chris, with Mark, he sort of mentioned about the sort of type of audience that, you know, he's created and and with his business model of of the guild and things like that. Yeah. Like the funnel. Right. He's, he's developing a very specific type that has really strong expectations, which is going to allow him to have really strong brand relationships, funneling through, you know, uh, information and product uh, suggestions to that to that group. So having a big audience is great, but uh, it's helpful to have a reason for knowing why you want that audience in the first place. Yeah. So it's kind of what audience do you want to build? So to go back to your point of all these people with huge numbers, this will be a a kind of stupid example, but let's say that you wanted to be the authority on uh, 3d printing or whatever on Mm -hmm. YouTube. Right. And so you built up an audience of 25,000 people. So what is the value of those 25,000 of your followers compared to 25 million or 250 million of Kim Kardashian's followers when it comes to 3D printing? So that's kind of what the funnel is talking about is this, this, we focus on the size of the audience, but it's really more about who that audience is and saying that a small audience can be extremely valuable as you drill down further and further into niches basically yeah i I was talking to uh inventables which is which is you know one of my sponsors it makes cnc machines and their the the influence their their most effective influencer is one of their smallest ones but he Mm -hmm. only really talks about cnc stuff and they've worked with some really big influencers that haven't really sold very many machines if any for them um and so that's something I, you know, that I that I try to listen to because I know that at the for any sizable con- uh, company, at the end of every year, they're going to have to like sort of report on what they did and what worked and what didn't work. Yeah. And most of these companies are working with multiple influencers. So I know that if I constantly nickel and dime to try to get the most amount of money, if I look at all these charts and okay, people with this many subscribers are charging this much per video, so I need to get exactly that much. Uh, I know that that actually puts me in a really vulnerable spot when it comes to renewing my contract for the following year, because I want I want them when they look and they review at the end of the year to be like, oh wow, we got return on the investment for Ben. Oh, we didn't do so much on these other influencers because I know if that's the case, guess who they're going to come back and renew the contract with, which uh, where I don't have to do another sales cycle, a whole other presentation. Um, so I don't always want to be at the leading edge of getting the most money. What I want to do is pay my bills, have fun doing it, earn a healthy living and be the one that's not going to get cut first. Um, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Swim faster than the shark or no swim faster Um, than the person you're swimming next to. That's what it is. Exactly. Right. Or yeah, I was not with bears, but it works with sharks too. Swim faster Um, than the bear. Swim faster than the bear. Yeah. That's what it is. 
the other thing with sort of uh, with audience type versus size is, you know, if if you, I think I think they're different on different platforms. The our podcast audience is smaller than our YouTube audiences, mm-hmm. um, but I've gotten so much more feedback from the podcast proportional to the amount of listeners than I have for anything else that I've done. Oh, big time. Right. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of like direct messages and stuff on Instagram and, uh, you know, people complaining about Mark. No, I'm just oh, jeez, uh, dang it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but no, it's, but it's because we're talking in depth. They're seeing a different side of our personalities. We're going deeper on subject matter. Um, and I think we're coming across more as humans rather than just people, you know, flashes of humanity making stuff. Right. Um, yeah, I think it's a lot more intimate of a relationship where you're more like in the club or whatever when you're listening to this than just viewing something. And you could tell from like all the comments we get, have all the inside jokes and everything, like people feel like they're part of something. All right. They know that we just hate Applebee's. <laughs> <laughs> they know it, man. <laughs> Old Western Sizzler for for the win. It's just, yeah, yeah. You got to get that Applebee's dig in there, right? I know we almost went a whole podcast without talking bad about him. <laughs> That wouldn't be right. <laughs> when we have a meetup, it, it like it should be like at Applebee's. We should. That's oh, it's going to be at say. Applebee's. It has to it's be. It's going to be at TGI Fridays. That's the whole thing. They've been secretly paying us under the table to talk bad about <laughs> Applebee's. <laughs> yep. We uh, actually got a voicemail question that kind of touched on the building an audience thing from last week. Should we, should we play yeah, that? we should. Do okay. It. Yeah. All right. Hey, how's it going? I guess I got to make this short, but you guys made a a um, podcast on audience and how to make an audience and build an audience. And I was wondering, um, you guys touched on the thumbnails, but you don't touch on what you do to keep the audience intertwined in the video for the full seven or eight minutes. So for me, I think music and sound is really important. And I was kind of hoping you guys would go over the sound that you need and the music that you should use or shouldn't use or where to get these things from and even get maybe the um where you get your editing software what software you use and all that other good fun stuff appreciate the podcast guys have a good one okay so the best way i've found to keep an audience engaged in a five minute video is to make it a three minute video no that's, that's so a good true. point yeah. that's so true <laughs> <laughs> so you just think of that I, right now that's a clever clever I, way I'm to put it i'm not the best person to, to to ask with that um but i think uh pacing is 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 one thing um i found that the i've done a few videos that length and the sort of uh how many things are happening is is uh i think uh contributes to that if i look at the ones where there's more viewer fall off versus other ones um the the videos that have had good retention are like my recent sort of uh sort of half year update where it has it doesn't have the most views because i say very clearly not a project video yeah but the people that are watching it are watching most of it if not all of it um and i think it's because it's very quickly paced there's not a lot of filler uh, when I've done longer building projects, um, I think my projects are pretty simple, so there might not be enough sort of instructional material to really hold people for eight minutes. Um, I've seen a little bit of fall off. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think that there should be no such thing as a seven or eight minute video going into it. That should only be determined once the video's done. So it does kind of have to do with how much content is there? How much is there to talk about? So like, you know, my videos, they, the project videos range from like, you know, usually six minutes on the short side to maybe approaching like, you know, 14, 15 minutes on the long side. And I don't know how long the video is going to be as I'm filming it. It's only once I sit down and look at the footage and say, okay, here's the things I need to explain. And then as I'm building the video up, I still don't know how long it's going to be. So it's really more of just a matter of how to keep them engaged into the next thing and now into the next thing and now into the next thing and just focusing on keeping it an engaging thing. And then however it long, however long it ends up being is how long it ends up being. The other thing to remember too, is that just because uh, our digital metrics aren't always telling the whole story too, right? Because there's some TV shows, like when I watch Game of Thrones, it's mm-hmm. like I'm paying attention, <laughs> right? right. If, it's like it's, if it's a new episode, whereas if like I'm like kind of falling asleep and there's like an like Law and Order's on in the background, I'm like paying attention to maybe like it could be on for the whole episode, but I'm only right. paying attention to like 20 percent of it. We um, need like brain implants so that we can figure out that concentration right. there's, metrics. There's that sort of like ambient versus you know, sort of, you know, wrapped focus. Uh-huh. I also find that a lot of people sometimes watch videos without sound. Uh, they don't always have their headphones. If they're watching on their phone, they have a good chance of having this, the the sound turned off unless they're one of those assholes that's like sits on the subway or the bus, like just blaring <laughs> whatever they're watching, like out of their iPhone. Like, don't be that guy. That guy sucks. Um, but uh, there's definitely different types of, of watching. And I think the you know where sort of consistency uh does come into play is sort of setting expectations for how they're going to settle down and watch the things uh when if i'm watching one of your videos chris like it's more it's like oh okay i'm like gonna have a cup of coffee kind of like you know it's an event right (laughs) you don't you don't produce as many of them and it's i have an expectation for about this gonna take a little bit longer than one of mike's videos yeah uh, whereas Mike's videos, I could be like, oh, I got to send you, oh, I'll just put this on another screen, like knock it out real quick. Exactly. Um, yeah. So they're, they're just different. They're both good. It's like, I don't want to only watch TV shows and never watch movies. It's just, I have different expectations for each one. Yep. About, uh, uh so for the other part of that question about like the music, music and the, and the editing software, I think those are all kinds of things that, I mean, just use whatever works for you. I don't think there's one right answer. For me, obviously, I want to have that kind of like calm effect with my music. So the acoustic improvised guitar made sense. I happen to play guitar and have a friend who's really good at it. And he's the one who does the the bulk of the music. So, you know, it just worked out. But obviously, that would not be a smart decision if you don't have access to those things. But there's not one right answer. I mean, I would just look at what you have available to you and make a good decision. And I don't think that those are necessarily make or break things. Same thing with the editing software. I mean, if you're just starting off and you haven't edited before, go with something simple, iMovie or I don't know, whatever like the Windows equivalent of that would be. Um, I personally use Adobe Premiere because I had had experience editing before and there's more things you can do with it. I get it for free through work. So (laughs) otherwise I would probably use Final Cut because it's cheaper. Yeah, that's what I use. Yeah, and I mean everything I do in Final Cut, ninety percent of it can be done in iMovie too. So, like, we're not making crazy produced videos. Ninety percent of everything I'm doing is just cutting from one thing to the next with a voiceover yeah. and music. That's and it, you can that's do that the way on it should phone. be, man. Keep it simple. Yeah, yeah. And on the Keep it and on the, the note of music, um, if someone's out like out there thinking about starting a channel, 
don't use stuff from the YouTube audio library. And I only say that because you have... Okay, so here's here's my thought press process when I went into it. Is I used the same song for like 30 videos yeah. straight. And I realized... I could hum it right now. Exactly. <laughs> I'm not gonna. But it kind of worked twofold, right? Anytime you hear that song, what do you think? Modern builds. Mike Montgomery. Oh. But then I also got just so tired of hearing that song editing and everything that I just had to give up on it. Because, um, yeah, I thought like having a theme song was a cool idea. It kind of structured things to where it was kind of like around a brand identity. But what I didn't think about is everyone in the world has access to that exact same song. Yeah. It can't be a modern builds song when anyone in the world can use it and I have no you know, say about it. Um, so an easy, great way of finding really unique music is just go to SoundCloud. There's a lot of really great artists up there and there's a lot of really great artists that like allow you to use their music. I got contact in contact with a guy named bonus points. He's just a college student in like Minnesota, but he makes dope beats and that's what I use in my videos. Don't go holler at him for music because that's what I use, but go find someone. But go find someone that makes music that isn't trying to charge an arm and a leg for it. Maybe they do want you to pay something for it, and that's awesome because they are putting work into it. Maybe they're doing it as a hobby, and they just think it would be cool to hear their music, you know, in places. Mm -hmm. But just go find something on SoundCloud, whether you want more, you know, beat-type stuff like what I use, more ambient stuff like what Chris uses. Whatever it is, SoundCloud, there's everything on there, and... uh, you can literally get into direct contact with the artist through SoundCloud. So just do that. My my follow-up with that mm-hmm. would be whatever agreement you come to, whether you purchase stock music or you come to an agreement with the artist, document it, yeah. save it, yep. and keep that in a safe place. Because I had purchased totally illegally you know, music from uh, a service called Pond5. Uh, so it's like a stock music site. I made sure I had to write rights package and all that stuff um and uh you know made sure that i documented it and then you know a couple years later i had like a a copyright infringement notice saying that this music belongs to someone else so it was still annoying i had to go and like say nope i do have the rights but i had it all screenshotted i had all the receipts the transaction numbers and i just forward it yeah. And remove. So definitely do your dil- due diligence. Right. Yeah. So always make sure you do it. And then if we do, when you do get the permission, save that in some sort of archive because you never know when it's going to come back. And it just it turns uh, a what could be a nightmare into just a minor hassle. Yep. Um, so, yeah, clear those rights. But uh, I don't know. I mean, I whatever music I've used, like somebody's complained about it. Uh, and in general, like. Uh, I think for I first started out with like much more folksy kind of music. I figured like, oh, this is like making stuff. This is kind yeah, of like it's woodsy. I need some fiddle music. Uh, <laughs> I remember like ragtime music. Yeah, well, that's yeah. like my, my mom used to always play that. So it was like, kind okay. of like an inside inside family joke. Um, uh-huh. And it was like sort of upbeat, but like kind of old school. So I thought yeah. that was like appropriate for analog and now i just sort of grab whatever is i feel is like sort of upbeat and generic kind of elevatory music but uh mm-hmm. if anyone has some sort of you know music they they want careful, me to do careful careful <laughs> there he goes no, I'm kidding. give I'm it to him for free <laughs> it, it, it's guarantees too, a thousand likes i was a. Uh, I was talking to one of my musician friends and they have these sort of debates about licensing their music 
and some of them say, oh, you should never license it for a commercial. It like undermines your credibility. And other ones like, dude, I got paid for being in a Samsung commercial, right? Straight up, yeah. I got a, I got a guy that I know that did the same thing. It was a Nike commercial. Right. They just used the instrumental of his song, and he got more money than he made on his entire like, previous tour from it. Right. Nice. And like, so, again, there's no right answer for these things. But uh, when, when I look back at, at you know, uh, remember when, like, Napster, well, I remember. remember Napster. Uh, I do. I was <laughs> no, he six, doesn't. but I heard right. of it. No. <laughs> and when I look at, like, Napster, and I, I like Metallica. <laughs> but I like them less after the way they handled that Napster thing. Even though I totally understand, I heard a recent uh, interview with James Hetfield, and he was very eloquent, and he sort of explained what, what they were thinking. And he's right. Uh, it was unfair, and it wasn't right what was happening to them. But the way they protested it was kind of... Douchey. Not, yeah, it kind of <laughs> didn't make... It didn't really present their best side. Right. And they didn't really articulate their their reasons for fighting it clearly enough or in a way that was that showed that they understood the fans perspective um and then you look at like now where musicians are realizing that they do have power they have power in deciding when their music drops and they said oh well if these streaming services are making money why don't we make our own platform and i think that's that's the sort of approach to take it's not to say do this and never do this it's to say this is what happens when I do this. Do I want that? And then what are my alternatives? And why can't I just do that for myself? Oh, it's too much hassle? Okay, then. Well, what's the least hassle way to get the most towards my objectives? Um, and just taking a very calm approach where you're looking at the concepts behind things and not just here's the, 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 the paint-by-numbers approach for how other people are doing it, and this is why I should do it. Yeah. Nice. Well, thank you, Leighton, for submitting that question. And if anybody else has voicemail questions, you can record those and send them into modernmakerpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, if they're good ones, we'll answer them on the air. Cool. Chris, do we so, have a hypothetical this week? We do. We have oh, a, cool. uh, a fan-submitted hypothetical. So I'm going to try to oh. nail this guy's name on my first try. Ready? Schmitty Warbin Jagan Jensen. Nailed it. Perfect. I think I nailed it. <laughs> so he says, if you could only use power tools but only build with construction-grade pine or use hand tools with expensive hardwoods for the rest of your life, which would you choose? Power tools. All day. Power tools. Yeah, power <laughs> tools, pine. All day. Yeah, I really, think it's Really, Chris? Uh, You'd be stuck with oh, two yeah. by fours. Ah, uh, poof. Okay. My short-term answer is the power tools, pine, because I feel like I, I'm really like not all that like crazy about like figuring and grain and all that stuff of the wood for me it's really about like shape that's yeah. that's the main thing that i really focus on so when i look at okay well how can i quickly you could use pine plywood you could use pine plywood yeah it works but how, yeah, so go. so my uh, my initial thinking is how can i uh, what's going to be like the least disrupting to me in still being able to produce what I want. And that's what's going to be the least disrupting. If I said, okay, well, then I'm just going to really adopt hand tools. I'm sure that, you know, in 10 years from now, maybe I would be, that would be the smarter decision. Yeah. But still, you know, if you're forcing me to make a decision and, and go down one of those paths in the fork in the road right now, I got to say the, the pine and the heart and the power tools. Yeah, my whole thing is like I just have no interest in breaking down a sheet of plywood with a handsaw. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> just sitting there sawing all day. I was actually thinking because I used a really expensive 
big giant bandsaw to resell this thing. I was like, oh yeah. man, that's kind of, I need to show some sort of alternative. So I've been looking for, I've been trying to think how I could resaw those beams by sort of hand. Ooh. So I've been looking for like a, like a 36 inch handsaw with big teeth. Yeah. Because my, my plan was obviously that'd be a ton of work because you guys have seen how those beams <laughs> are ridiculously girthy. Uh, so I was thinking of like having like a barbecue and just having setting up like screwing down some like two by fours as guides. So it's sort of like, you know, the saw that's sort of going between. <laughs> Putting and people it, to and work. Just, like, everyone just takes like 15 minutes like in the background. I know like people have they'll be like, oh, I can I can get through this really Do fast. Do like a, yeah. a CrossFit. Uh, um, just turn it into a drinking game. Somehow. I was going to say like a CrossFit. What's that called? Like a circuit training or whatever. And that can be like one stop on it as you just like saw a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, you do the rope yeah. things and then move to the handsaw. Yeah. And- so I don't think I'll put that together in time for the video, but I think I will post do that as an experiment at some at some point. I've also yeah. always wanted to try one of those like big two person saws. Yeah, you know, like yeah, old timing, <laughs> cutting down a tree. Um, and actually, here he's got a second part to this hypothetical. He says, "Creamy or chunky peanut butter? Chunky." chunky. Chunky. And look at that, man, we're all on the same time. I was whenever I was a kid, I, I didn't I didn't play around with any uh, crunchy really? peanut butter. Whenever you just I was a that child, smooth butter. Yeah, I w- I thought it was weird. It was like the texture weirded me out. But man, I I eat like super chunk now. <laughs> it's like rocks. It's yeah. It's like mostly peanuts, <laughs> barely any butter. <laughs> almond butter is good though too. Give that a shot if you haven't. Shout out almond butter. <laughs> all right, should we uh? We, I don't know if you guys have one, but we haven't done what we're obsessed with in a while. You Ooh, guys have okay. anything? Um, you guys want me to? I can, I can yeah, go you first. Yeah, you go first. Okay. So I've been paying attention a little bit to sound bars. So I have this, uh, the where our TV sits in our living room. I built, before I started on YouTube, so not, not on a video. Um, it's this really big, long media console. It's like probably... Pff, I would say it's almost eight feet long probably. And I never built a base for it. So it's just sitting on the ground and I've had the intention of building a base for it eventually. So I was thinking, Oh, that'd be kind of cool to maybe try like building a base that had the sound bar enclosed inside of it. So I've, I've reached, I've researched it a little bit and I know ideally you're not supposed to set a sound bar on the ground. I think it's supposed to be kind of like right up a little bit below or right above the TV to, to have the best acoustics, but I'm sure it would still be a pretty big improvement over what I have right now, which is nothing. Yeah, um, and I defy those people to do like a blind hearing test of it yeah. one way or the other. If, if those assholes can actually tell the <laughs> difference between it being moved up and down a little bit, like God bless them, but I doubt it. I've had a sound bar on the ground. It sounds totally fine. It does? Okay, there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. you don't need to worry about it. I don't and know. Mike's an audiophile, amongst you, other <laughs> kind of files. I want oh, to Lord. Hey, what hey, in the world? Hey, Do YMCA, not. buddy? Come no, on. I'm out of here. <laughs> Golly, Chris. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to use any word with file in it. Yeah, uh, But anyway, yeah. So, That's why I use so sandpaper. <laughs> yeah. But Full no, I think jokes. that's a really cool idea, Chris. That's a neat idea. Well, then I will do it. Yeah, so I'm going to do that. I I have a couple other projects I got to knock out first, but that could be a kind of quick one, especially it would be probably just kind of a box with some slits in it to let the sound out. Uh But yeah, I think that'd be like a cool way to have good sound and and not be able to see anything. Get a nice, clean, minimalist, minimalist, modern look. My current obsession is moonshining. 
It's not exactly a <laughs> Is that current, like alcohol? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like making moonshine. Okay. Uh, like a year and a half ago, my dad bought like a whole thing to do it. And we've like made quite a bit of moonshine with it. But I've always just like gave it like he's taking the lead. He's the one like getting all the materials, doing everything. I'm just like the extra set of hands and like uh, tester. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just but, drink it. Yeah, yeah. But for Father's Day, I was like, ooh, you know, I'm gonna take all this into my own hands and like get get the get everything we need to do a batch and all that kind of nonsense. So that's what I've been like heavy researching and like doing all that kind of stuff with. So in the next couple of weeks, uh, I'll let you know how it goes. I've got all the materials shipping to me, so all the yeast and all the all the whatnots that go along with it. But nice yeah, moonshine, it's cool. <laughs> nice. Couple things. So one alcohol related is uh, Japanese whiskeys are Whoa. exceptional. Uh, That's not like sake, is it? No, it's okay. Uh, uh, I highly recommend Nika. N i k k a coffee. It's like not coffee, like you drink coffee. It's like a, it's the name of a distilling process. Um, the Nika coffee grain whiskey. It's not cheap, but it is amazing. Hmm. Um, I've gone through a lot of it. Uh, it's like it's like whatever. <laughs> it's I been have pretty over, rough at the Ueda house. <laughs> yeah, it's, whenever I have people over, I always like oh, you got to try this, and they're like, this is great, and then we like kill the bottle no. yeah um, <laughs> it's, it's incredible it also has really nice packaging which i'm a sucker for yeah uh, the other thing is a tv show uh and i just finished season two of fargo which mm-hmm. is excellent uh it's also one of those like anthology type shows which i'm fond of from like a time commitment standpoint where each season is sort of a standalone like like uh miniseries kind of movie so it's like i think like eight or ten episodes uh, I saw season one. Season one was great. Season two was exceptional. Um, so you could totally start with just season two and get it. It's it's really, really well done. It's contained. You watch one season. It has, like, completion. You're not being, like, strung out to the next season after that. Yeah. Uh, if you need something to binge watch, highly recommend Fargo season two. Nice. nice. Got to check it out. All right. Should we, uh, should we put this puppy to bed? Yeah, let's do it. Ben, give us that outro this time. All right, so we're all on social media. You should be following us, all of us by now. We do lots of cool stuff there. Chris is learning how to post videos on Instagram, so I'm almost give there. Those some, some, like, so. <laughs> go give his video a share on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, please. Yes. Also, <laughs> Make it worth my time. Leave us some reviews. And I haven't figured out what we'll do for you, but this is like kind of like where we ask for free work. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah. Leave, leave us some reviews and ask some questions in it. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, Ask Mike some real personal questions about. No. Yeah, do it, man. I'm, I'll open up. I'll open up. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's nice to have that interaction. Uh, we yeah. definitely check it out. We definitely read it. Um, and uh, we appreciate it when we do get them. So ask those questions there. And also, uh, go back and binge watch all of our old YouTube videos. Yeah. I was just looking at them. We, all, we have a lot. And like, a lot I, of stuff somehow there, I thought like I'd watched all of yours, Mike's. Uh-huh. Um, and then I was like, there's Bro, a, they there's get a bad. Don't go all the way to the beginning of mine. Go to like, go to like halfway through and just quit. Cause just they, watch them in reverse. Yeah. There you go. Start watch them get and worse. And watch them digress. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Watch it fall apart. Yes. You and also what? the other thing we haven't solicited from the audience, uh, recently is ideas for show topics. If okay. there's something that you want us to go sort of deep on or something, something you want us to really break down in the world of either sort of YouTube or 
making related media or making and design itself, uh, you know, feel free to, 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 to suggest something. Also, another thing we're not, we all like each other. So we're not that afraid of sort of teasing each other and get getting contentious. So if you see that there's something that like one of us does, that's totally different than the other one. Uh, feel free to point that out and, and use that to start a discussion as well. Yeah. Yep. The other thing I'll say, the first take of making. (laughs) If you, uh, if you do a a five-star review and you leave a question, either copy and paste it and send it to us an email or take a screenshot. Cause it's sometimes it's kind of hard to go through all the reviews and find them. You have to like keep hitting load more, load more, load more to get to the new ones. Cause it, it puts them in in chronological order. order, Yeah. From the first one. So yeah, do that to make it a better chance that we'll actually see your question. Awesome. Thanks, guys. All right. All right. See you on the weekend. Bye. Come see me in Tulsa. I'll be there. Yeah. I'm going to be building stuff. Everyone's going to be building stuff. It's going to be dope. All right. Go see Mike. It's going to be dope. Bye. Later. Bye. (laughs)